May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. If you're wondering if it feels a little bit odd to have an entire service dedicated to watching you sit down, (laughs) you would be right. (laughs) And it is also wonderful. Because there's a wonderful hospitality to being invited to sit down. Please, be seated. Sit down here. We have a place for you. We have a seat for you. It's wonderful to be invited to a table, to take a place, to find a chair and be welcomed. And for all of us who, for whatever reasons, have experienced being excluded from tables in our lives, it's a gesture that has deep resonance. So for everyone who has been told, you can't sit here, go somewhere else, or I'm sorry, We don't have a place for you. To be told, here's your seat. And not just here's your seat, but a very special seat is a real blessing. And I am very aware that by my very being, my sitting in that seat is not just about me. My sitting there expands what the table looks like. There's more room at the table. There's not more room at God's table because of it. You know, God has already invited each one of us to sit at the roundest of tables where there are no special seats for bishops or anyone else, and where there are plenty of chairs for all of God's children. But we know that the church's table has not always been so gracefully welcoming. And the Episcopal table is starting to look different and more reflective of the diversity of the kingdom of God. And it struck me as I was preparing for the sermon today that I am sitting a lot more in my ministry as a bishop than I did as a priest. It seems that in some sense, the ministry of a bishop is to sit down in all sorts of places with all sorts of people. A bishop is called to be like Jesus and sit down with tax collectors and sinners, with the people on the margins of society. A bishop is called to be like Jesus and sit down with rabbis and teachers and engage in theological debate to come to greater understanding of God. A bishop is called to sit down with the wealthy and call them into greater compassion and awareness of their privilege and the power they have to serve God's mission. To use the authority of the office, a bishop is called to get people to sit down together who are in deep conflict and to facilitate listening and healing and repentance and community. So as your bishop, know I'm going to sit down a lot. But there are other instances where invitations to sit down can be the opposite of hospitality right? Sit down and be quiet. Sit down so you can be ignored. Sit down so we don't have to listen to you, 
your perspective, your voice, your cries for justice. And we get a little of that in tonight's gospel reading from Peter to Jesus, right? Peter is basically saying to Jesus, sit down. (laughs) You don't know what you're talking about. Stop talking about this death and suffering stuff. Well, we're going to reflect on that gospel a little bit more in a moment, but for now I want to promise this, that as your bishop, I am going to do my best to discern when to sit down and when to stand up. And life doesn't have those wonderful rubrics like we have in the bulletin tonight, which keep us on track and we all know, oh, now we all sit, stand up, now we all sit down, right? Life, you always have this moment of going, okay, is this a stand up moment or is this a sit down moment? But I promise to do, to use the power of sitting as much as possible. The power of listening, of convening, of community and fellowship and the table. But I also promise to use the power of standing, of speaking, of preaching, of crying out for justice and calling the attention of the world to the needs of the poor and marginalized. And in our context today, sometimes those words of calling the people of God to a closer relationship with Jesus are are pretty easy, but sometimes they're hard. Sometimes they involve the cross, like it does for Jesus tonight in his conversation with Peter. And the cross is hard news. Peter is caught believing that that hard news of the cross is bad news. Right? Peter thinks the cross is bad news, which is why he tells Jesus to take a seat. Peter believes that the cross will prevent Jesus from being the Christ. Peter believes that the cross is an end, not a beginning. So he tells Jesus to sit down. How does that go for Peter? Not so well. But I bet we all know what it's like to be Peter. And we all know what it's like to want what Peter wants. Because we want our faith to be easy. We want other people to find it easy. We want the message we are preaching to be one, say, of prosperity. You know, come to our church and you'll be wealthy and rich and life will be perfect and you will never hurt again. We want all of the grace and none of the cross. We want to follow Jesus when it's convenient for us, when we can afford it, and when we don't have to lose anything or suffer at all. If anyone want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Follow Jesus. Take up your cross all the time. You may lose your life, and you'll probably lose some of your comfort, some of your money, some of your time. You might even lose a friend or two. But you will be saved. 
And Peter may be skeptical of all of this in tonight's passage. Jesus tells him this hard news, and he tells Jesus to sit down, and then he gets called the devil, and it's tough for Peter. But remember, Peter comes around. Never assume that the person hushing the hard but good news of the cross is unredeemable. They might just be Peter. Now, Friday night at First Friday, there were a lot of street preachers, I noticed. There are a lot more street preachers here than there are in New York City. I don't know what that means. New York City is supposed to be a much more sinful place. And the street preachers on Friday night said the same things that street preachers generally say in our culture. Lots of fire and brimstone, lots of anger, lots of promising salvation if you believe in Jesus in exactly their way and behave in exactly the way that they believe you should behave. But they get the appeal of salvation. No, you will be saved if you follow us. There was a similar group at the Pride Parade this morning, only larger, And that group is the group that make Episcopalians hesitant to share our faith, right? That's the group that makes following, taking up the cross and following Jesus hard for us. Because how many of us have said something on the lines of, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those Christians. Definitely apologetic, Maybe even a little ashamed, a little bit like, no, it's not what you think it is. We cannot allow the street preachers of 2019 to be the loudest voices standing up and defining what faith in Jesus looks like. Do not be ashamed of your faith in Jesus or of Jesus' words. Be bold and proud and loud. Stand up. Because those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this, and I would add, in any adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Do not be ashamed. We have nothing to be ashamed of in Jesus. We are called as the church to repent of our sins and our shortcomings as the church and as the institution, and they are many. But do not be ashamed of Jesus. Do not be ashamed of the cross. In so many places today, the word Christian is synonymous with hypocrite or with those people who are preaching hate and anger and rage. But Jesus didn't preach that. Jesus preached love, love of God, love of neighbor, love and welcome to all of the people even the ones who were sinners or who were poor or who were outside the boundaries of what Jesus' first followers thought might be acceptable. Those who didn't have a seat at the table. Jesus came to earth to expand God's welcome to all people, not to narrow it to a few. And that good news of love and welcome and, yes, of the cross and suffering and resurrection needs to be our clarion call. And it feels dangerous to stand up and speak out and preach love. But my God, when the people hear it, they respond. As our presiding bishop says, love is the only power that can change the world for the better. It's the only thing that ever has. 
And we are called to transform the world from the nightmare it often is into the dream that God has for it. So as your bishop in my cathedral, (laughs) I invite you to join with me in the hard work of sitting down with all of our neighbors. Let us listen and learn and plan and build and pray and grow. And I invite you to join with me in the work of standing up. Let us proclaim and preach and witness to the love of God in our own lives and to the love of God in God's beloved church. Amen.